This is episode number 560 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the show. As always, a massive shout out to our show sponsors, Smith Street Paleo. And yes, for those of you that are watching the video version, I'm back here in the podcast studio where we record all the podcasts. You can see all the logos behind me. Smith Street Paleo, massive show sponsor. Please do hop over to smithstreetpaleo.com. Check out everything that's going on there. And if you have recently signed up for a meal plan, you've jumped on the September bandwagon, you want to get involved, you've taken advantage of the special offer that those guys have on at the moment, please let us know how it's going. Any queries on Smith Street Paleo, drop us an email, hello at smithstreetpaleo.com. We would love to hear from you over there. And tell us over here on the podcast exactly what's going on, how your journey with the food is going. We'd love to hear from you. For those of you that remember, think back almost a year ago to episode number 468. You'll remember the name Pete Jacobs. Yep, he was on the show and he's back on the show. I actually recorded this show when I was down in Australia recently and Pete's journey is super interesting. He was world champion of Ironman in 2012, won Kona, but since realized, and I think at that stage, as he speaks about in this show, he knew that he had some issues with his nutrition, with his gut, he wasn't feeling well, he was having brain fog, fatigue, and just not really feeling his best. He's been on an incredible journey. I actually caught up with him in December when I was in Australia. And then when I was just there recently, we went for a run and we're having a chat about his current eating. And I was like, this is definitely worth a show. He's moved to what's known as the carnivore diet. It's a meat-based diet. And in this show, Pete takes us on the journey, tells us all about it, some interesting reference points. As I always say, this might not be for everyone, but for someone, it might fix you up. Let's jump into today's show with Pete Jacobs. Welcome back to another edition of the show. And some of you, definitely if you're watching the video version, you might recognize this guy here on my right, Pete Jacobs, mate. Second appearance on the Inner Fight Podcast. I'm honored, mate, to make it <laughs> twice. No, it's uh, because you're here in Noosa, though. Yeah, you I know. Had to <laughs> come and get you. Folks, if you didn't see that, go to Podcast 468, which we actually did, mate. It's been almost a year, October of... 2018 where obviously we spoke mate and what people might remember you as it was a long time ago now um, <laughs> elite level triathlete former world champion so congrats again for that mate that uh, <laughs> used that headline to promote the last podcast and everyone everyone got to it but mate today we're going to talk about something a little bit different and people might be a little bit surprised we're going to talk about the carnivore diet i'm going to let you introduce why we're talking about this because <laughs> it's a bit random triathlete carnivore diet where do these two fit together so give us a little bit of an intro about it and about your journey so far with it okay so um i've been carnivore this year um probably the first few months i was still mucking about with a little bit of um let's say coffee like decaf a few other little bits and pieces but not much and then but I got to that point because I've struggled with fatigue since I was a teenager. All the tests under the sun never came back with anything. All yeah. tests have always been fine. Hair, urine, blood, saliva, poop. I've had some bacteria, yeah. but never been able to fix it up to a point that mattered, I guess. Right. Um, and I've tried everything at that point. Well, not everything. You've never tried everything. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, and then I started going, uh, looking into diet probably a few years ago. Went meat without feet. Um, for a year maybe so basically just still kept having eggs and fish meat and without feet I cut that out what so I went without feet sorry mate so That's, I, this I is cut out I cut out meat with feet right. as in any any meat that has feet so right. um, land animals and that so I was still yeah. eating fish and I was still eating oh, wow. eggs um, okay. but I tried cutting out meat and that was just totally I want to say I misguided from just books from guys that have written a book going, hey, I tried this and I felt great. Yeah. And back then I was literally searching for anything without the critical thinking aspect of it right. and just like, oh, it worked for them. I'll start doing that. But that <laughs> let's break out a little bit then, mate. Yeah. Isn't that, and we, we recorded a podcast yesterday for your podcast and we were talking about like <laughs> taking advice from people. Isn't that what happens a lot these days? Like people will, I mean, we've got to get there. Let's get there early in the show. Rich Roll, you mm. know, ultra athlete, was he, wasn't he? We could argue, goes vegan. He's been vegan for about 12 years. Everyone reads his book, Finding Ultra. It is quite inspiring in places and goes, I'm going to go vegan. Yeah. 
and they don't get it. But we're, I'm similar, mate. Like, I'll see something and I'll go, and it seems like you've had a, a similar journey. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. Well, that's everyone. Everyone that has gone vegetarian or cut out something out of their diet yeah. is doing it trying to look at find an answer. Yeah. And we are, like, really trying hard to find an answer. Um, but until you get to that point where you've got enough time and enough energy and direction and critical thinking and an understanding of the body in the big picture and that takes a lot of time and i'm still trying to get that big picture view um you end up being led really easily into other avenues of this worked for me so therefore you know you should try it too and but when there's no you don't end up you don't start looking for science at that point you're still just like i'll i'll go down any pathway that is working for somebody because I've had no results saying why this is not working for me. Like, why am I feeling crappy? There's nothing to say why. So therefore it could be this magical, like unknown that doesn't have any scientific evidence behind it, except for anecdotal, you know, and so we'll try that kind of thing. And that's why a lot of people that have been vegan and now feeling sick and average and health markers are coming up and things like that are becoming a problem they're now going carnivore because they're still looking for like the the traditional western diet isn't working for me i know there's got to be something else out there because i've always felt lousy Uh, following the dietary guidelines isn't working for me so what is it and that's why they're kind of looking for that answer and they'll go from the vegan point where like you know like i said i went without the meat yeah. with feet for yeah, a year on that yeah Sorry, mate, and then <laughs> yeah it went without the meat with feet for a year and um i cut out grains at the same time as well so that right. obviously definitely helped obviously yeah. um anyone that has any gut issues as i did is going to find benefit whenever they start to cut out some of the lectins yeah and, and gluten being the major lectin yeah and that led me to then going into speaking to phil maffetone and um who a lot of people might have heard of, yeah. uh, a bit of a guru back from like the 70s, he started talking about, you know, unprocessed food, yeah. low carbohydrate diet, get away from sugars and junk. Yeah. And it's the basic way of seeing your body in the big picture, insulin resistance being one of the major ones. And Tim Noakes has written a lot about that. Yep. Um, and he's Tim Noakes has really just carried on from a lot of other people yeah. that have proven that insulin resistance is a major health issue. Yeah. Anyway, so I went keto, um, you know, probably a couple of years ago. Wow. Went low carb. Before it was cool. Before <laughs> it was cool. But I mean, at that point, it was cool in so much that it was totally misguided. That every podcast was like, don't go near too much protein. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to eat tons and tons of vegetables. And you need to eat, drink MCT oil in the morning to boost your ketones yeah, and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And I being so metabolically damaged, which, you know metabolic syndrome is one of the issues and kind of main tags of if you're not healthy you're likely to have metabolic syndrome yeah, yeah. and it's a combination of a whole bunch of health markers um that you can have any or a few of or all of and i basically took a long time to stabilize my blood sugars going keto right. so i wasn't seeing high ketones and everyone was saying you need to see high ketones yeah. you know like that was the premise back then the, the higher the better therefore you're healthier yeah. um and my blood sugars weren't stabilizing like in the morning they'd be quite high still like so fasted in fasted blood sugars were high yeah. nothing was stable and that took quite a long time like years really and that may have been partly because i still was eating foods that were still causing me a lot of inflammation right hence we get to i was still having issues i was still full keto i was eating super healthy um you know i never had a lot of caffeine i never had alcohol i never had a lot of things i was just eating natural foods you know plants and vegetables and um you know some meat and eggs and fish um but i still wasn't feeling amazing and basically then in about august last year i heard on a podcast that um fiber is not necessarily good for all people and some people with digestive tract issues are going to feel better without fiber so i was like oh okay so i'll start lowering my fiber and then i started increasing and then the same week pretty much i heard one that said a podcast that was around that high protein in a healthy individual 
as in terms of someone who's not eating the standard American or Australian diet, you're going to not get an insulin spike from protein and you're not going to get a blood sugar spike from protein. It's not going to throw you out of ketosis. So I was like, okay, and this is about August. So in that same week, I started increasing my protein and lowering fiber, which basically meant cutting down on my plants a hell of a lot. (laughs) Plants were really, really low from that point. Um, Still having a fair bit of coconut cream and raw cacao powder as like my treats, my smoothie, snacks kind of things. Um, But definitely increased protein and and cut out plants mostly. And so I was down to just sort of a mouthful here and there of something if I wanted to taste it. Then um, Dr. Paul Mason, who's in a lot of um, YouTube clips talking about some, he's done some great presentations in like low carb down under series um, and the carnivore uh, conferences as well. Um, And he's in Sydney and I got in touch with him and he just said, go 100% carnivore, cut out like raw cacao, cut out everything else because if you're sensitive to the lectins and the oxalates, and all the other inflammatory markers that are in plants, and um, there's a hell of a lot of things in plants, yeah. um, oxalates and lectins being the main ones, uh, you're going to feel better. You're gonna, he says just from an athletic standpoint, even if it wasn't that you were having poor health, even from an athletic standpoint, you're likely to do better without those inflammatory things. So I was like, okay, going carnivore. Um, Kept a little bit of decaf coffee in there, like I said, for a few months this year and yeah. then uh, pretty much trying to be super strict as I can. Um, wow. And I'm getting better. But then a few weeks ago, the most... Re- but there's always more to learn. I'm twist. certainly I'm <laughs> certainly not at like 100% health yet. Like, oh. you know, you don't go from being as messed up. And if one thing's totally messed up, then everything's going to be pretty messed up because yeah. everything is connected. Yeah. So if your cells aren't working well, like those cells are sending messed up signals to every other part of your body, yeah, right. every system in your body. Yeah. So it's going to take a while. But yeah, about three weeks ago, um, listened to a YouTube that was on histamine. And I realized that some of the symptoms that I was getting back was when I was eating like aged meat, which, you know, yeah. that was like one of my creative outlets was... Yeah still even though it's only meat fish and eggs is all i've been eating i was still finding ways to find taste and be creative in my food and aging my own meat was one of those ways so i was eating this beautiful big slab of rump that i'd aged for about five weeks and it tasted amazing and um, i mixed that up with like some mints so we went away to japan for and and korea and did a couple of triathlon races came back and had that and i'm ate some of it i cut off the bark that the, the dried bit on the outside yeah. and whizzed that up into some like mince patties with some regular mince so it was like a beautiful aged mince beef patties wow. um i think i put a, some egg in there as well so by the time i've made that up and then i put them in the fridge and then i've kind of eaten them over the week as well as i've eaten up the rump that i've then sliced as well yeah like I couldn't get off the couch. There was two days in that next two weeks where I just couldn't get off the couch. My brain wouldn't work at all. And those are the symptoms that have been worse in my fatigue where it's just like brain does not work. I literally can't think to do anything without feeling like I'm about to have a a panic attack, like an anxiety, like anxiety levels are through the roof. So when I'm coming out of that worst phase, but still fatigued, um, and this, so this happened about, three four weeks ago maybe um when i had last had some histamine and um i went to go for an afternoon run and i was tired like i knew my brain was foggy i knew i had this kind of inflammation that was causing a bit of brain fog and fatigue but i couldn't find my watch and it was like ah so then it was like i found my watch i think then my watch was like battery was dead (laughs) then my music player battery was dead and then i couldn't find something else my heart rate strap or something and i was nearly in tears because it was so hard for me to get out the door just because of those few little hurdles wow. because when your brain is not working everything is like a major major anxiety attack yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. it's crazy so you throw in that that my hormones are way out so my estrogen's way up so it is like i'm a you know a, a woman at the wrong time of the month or I'm, you know <laughs> And, and at the worst end of that spectrum, right. when I'm feeling that fatigue and the brain's not working well. So it was like, 
And so I couldn't. I was nearly in tears going for a run. So it was like, well, I'm not going for a run now. Yeah, right. Because my body is that stressed now from <laughs> from that battle of this oh. is so hard. Yeah. Because most of the time, that's how bad it is. Like, I won't want to go surfing. I won't want to walk the dogs, which is a super easy thing to do. Yeah. But it's just like, when I'm when it's black and white, when your brain's not working, it's not working, it's and like nothing. Off, you yeah. don't want to do anything. So I can empathise with people um, a little bit that have had sort of depression or anxiety and panic attacks because yeah. I know that th- it's black and white yeah. for me. And then when I come out the other side, it's like okay, I'll go ride, you know, 250 k's over a weekend and be fine and, be fine yeah. and enjoy it and like be okay yeah. so it's crazy the how much it affects me from week to week if i've had something that i shouldn't have had yeah, right. and and i'm still coming to terms with it so the last piece of the well it's never going to be the last piece <laughs> but the histamine <laughs> issue so since that aged meat time yeah. um which was about uh, was five weeks ago or something then i had last bit of histamine about three weeks ago in some bone broth listen to this histamine thing went right i'm just gonna eat everything fresh so now everything is bought the day that the butcher gets it and i freeze everything straight away so the histamine can't build up so histamine comes from the bacteria in the uh as it breaks down the bacteria is broken down it produces more histamine so the more something is not frozen because freezing stops that pauses the process right um, nothing else will pause it. So right. if you cook it and then put it back in the fridge, it's going to keep building up histamine. Right. Um, but then at the same time, you've got histamine in your cells. So if your cells aren't getting rid of the histamine as they should, you're going to be more susceptible to an overload. Even if you eat kind of well, low histamine, yeah. Yeah. your cells aren't getting rid of what your body's producing and then your gut will produce more histamine as well just from the types of bacteria that's in your gut. So there's three yeah. ways that your gut can get or from your body that can be overloaded with histamine. And it's not like a all or nothing. It's not like, say, gluten or yeah. like being, if you were celiac, it's not like a little bit is going to kill you yeah. or wreck you. Um, it's more the overload because you can deal with some of it. Yeah. Um, it's just an overload symptom. And that's like with any stress. Yeah. Any yeah. stress we know that it comes down to, we all can handle stress. We all need a little bit of stress yep. in training, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's the point of overload that we have to get to know our bodies about yeah to, to make sure there's <laughs> not too much mate incredible journey and i think one thing that i've thought about a lot since you know we've had this conversation a few weeks about carnivore you're playing with it when we we're chatting in in december is and this is where i want to go to next is when you were competing at, at the top end of triathlon yeah. how are you how are you feel like People are, uh, that have listened to, to, to the show that you did, 468, which was a lot about your triathlon mm. career, are going, like, how did you feel then? Like, how did you, how were you that good when you were broken? Yeah. Like, um, it's, it's quite weird, right? I think, I think we mentioned this a little bit back in the podcast about ego being a major contributor. Yeah. Um, so I learned to manage ego because when you're fatigued and your body can't do what you want it to do, yeah. you have to learn to let it go and yeah. not feel guilty that you missed a session, to not feel like you're, you know, crap because you're not keeping up with other people in yeah. training. So that was a big part of it. Um, the other big part of it was that um, I embraced it. I embraced that I couldn't train as much as the others. Right. So if I was tired on a day and um, I would only sit on the wind trainer, yeah. Um, because going outside and deciding which direction to go, which hill, that was like, I can't deal with that today. Yeah. But I was able to sit on the wind trainer for hours and just pedal like super, super easy. Right. And then maybe the, that day or maybe like the next day, yeah. I'll feel really good for it right. and be like have a better session. So one session will be a bit easier. The next one will be better for it. Yeah. Um, so that was one way. I mean, I was eating the same foods over and over and I was eating relatively stress-free foods, I guess. Right. Like, you know, I would cut out ice cream, for example. I wouldn't eat ice cream for months before Hawaii. Yeah. Um, I would pretty much eat the same food, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner nearly, yeah. like yeah. really consistent. So I think there's a point that even if it's not the best food for you, if your gut is struggling, if yeah. you have issues, eating the same foods is one way of getting the gut to deal with yeah. the... You know, it's it's like you know, we don't. I don't eat gluten or sugars, but if I had sugars, 
I'll get gut cramps pretty quickly yeah, because right. my gut bacteria would just go, what the hell is yeah, this? Yeah. We don't digest this stuff. Yeah. We don't know this anymore. Yeah. So a bit the same, I think, with what I was eating. Um, yeah. I got really used to the same foods. I, um, I would sleep really well. Uh, well, last thing. And then I, I would do three things to get my body in better shape for the race. So if every right. day, that was my three sessions a day. Right. But those sessions included a sleep, a massage, mobility, right. foam rolling, I would nap most days, probably. Really? Like, yeah. Just um, living the life, mate. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> it, yeah, when you're that focused, you don't want to do anything else. Like, yeah. I would only really be watching the television if I was eating or foam rolling or something. That was right. it. Otherwise, I'd be doing different types of rehab or I'd be sleeping or I'd be, you know, at the gym just... Yeah. There was no downtime of like, oh, I've got so much time on my hands. I'm just going to sit and play a video game. Like yeah. so focused and committed. Yeah. And I think um, like you'd understand that I was so focused on winning yeah. that my mind was so clear on what I wanted every day that that almost propelled me. Well, I was doing more. I was, I was looking after my gut with supplements. I was... Yeah resting my body when it needed it um and i was happy when i rested i was counting that as a session so my stress levels were really pretty low because i was happy with all those little goals and that's what we chatted about yesterday every time kicking a little goal you feel really good about yourself and i was kicking it yeah at least three goals a day that i was really happy with and i think mate it's a a super interesting learning because you'd almost from what you've said that you've accepted what you've got you're applying the best medicine to it by eating consistently and then the goal each day was three sessions and if it could be a super hard bike or run it was but there was equal amount of satisfaction if that was a two-hour sleep yeah because of the state that you you're in which is that i mean it's a massive <laughs> learning for a lot of aspiring athletes amateur athletes whatever whatever category you put yourself in it's a massive learning really isn't it and it obviously it obviously worked because you were still able to compete at the highest level. Yeah. And I think when, like every year for Kona, I, like I got four top tens in, in Kona in a row, four yeah. years in a row. And those like two months before August, September, and the race is the second week of October every year. Yeah. I would love it because I was so driven by just one goal yeah. that I could block everything else out. Yeah. There was nothing else in my life that mattered at that point other than training and getting my body in the best shape possible Incredible. so it's much much easier when i was that focused than the rest of the year yeah um i think that makes sense doesn't it that yeah it does mate i think that's i think that's a that's a really good answer uh, and, and it's not it's not like you're sat here going yeah but i've only known now you're you're quite confident in the fact that in that time you did everything and now you seem super confident in this time that you're doing everything to wake well. up every morning <laughs> and feel super good yeah a little bit i don't know how confident i am but <laughs> because the more you learn the more you realize you don't know and yeah. and that's the difference between where i'm at now and where i was a few years ago when i was just like oh well i'll cut out you know meet with feet for a year yeah um and try something else now it's very much um it's i'm, I'm certainly not a scientist but i'm doing my own research on my body and i'm listening to research in podcasts like every day every day that i'm training i'm trying to be like okay what what thing is it now that i'm interested in today just google that and then i'll listen to a bunch of podcasts about that one and so i'm following all these different rabbit holes every day and you know from a simple and 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 you might pick up one little thing on a podcast where it's like oh okay i like today even i thought i was having i thought previously i've been having too much salt on my meat and that's been making me thirsty after my food but then today i was like maybe i'm just not having enough maybe my body is craving more um because i get this weird thirst sometimes after eating and once i start drinking water it's like i can't stop drinking water sometimes so i think that might be related to the histamine issue and just my gut but at the same time i'm like oh let's ramp up the salt like really high and see if my body reacts any differently to that, whether that changes how much I'm thirsty or how much, um, how I feel. Cause I'm still not feeling like amazing. There's so many more things to dial in and there's so many little nuances for, 
uh, like balancing your minerals when because zero carb is different and yeah. really in uncharted territory that there's not many athletes that have done this like except Zach Bitter. <laughs> well Zach Bitter still has some carbs and he's certainly not like he doesn't have the uh, the gut problems and the stress level problems yeah. that I have yeah. so he doesn't get the fatigue issues if he eats something that yeah, he yeah, like yeah. if he eats a bit of sweet potato and you know some greens or something he's fine yeah, yeah um so that's where you know i'm still trying to find out what i can and can't have it's interesting because at dinner last night you were asking me like yeah what happens if you have x y and z and you know it, it i actually thought about it a lot on the way home i was like yeah, yeah that's really interesting because I, I never really measure like you know i i've measured it before i've been in france and you're at the bottom of a mountain and you have three croissants uh, do you have energy to go to the top and that's how I measure that input versus yeah. output. <laughs> but I never, I've never felt super bad from it. So whereas your situation, if you have things outside of, like even down to histamine now, mm. you notice the, the so yeah. it's not like, okay, I've been really good. It's all good. And I think that's a question I asked you when we were running the other week. Like, what's your, like, go on, tell me that every so often you smash a chocolate cake, but yeah. I didn't really get anything <laughs> out of it. And <laughs> it's quite interesting when that choice is, is, is removed away. You, you literally, well, tell us, mate, how yeah. what does a day of food look like? Like, because I think that's interesting for people. Yeah, as you said, when choice is removed, that's best for me because yeah. my personality doesn't really do moderation. I'm, yeah. I'm Because when you've struggled with like these fatigue issues, it's very much like... Um, this is either good for me or bad for me. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, I can kind of eat what I want and I'm fine. Yeah. Because you're so aware of feeling good and bad, you, I, I, in my subconscious, if I have a little bit of something, I'm kind of like, well, that must be okay for me. Yeah. So, like, there is no stopping point. Right. That's just the way that my brain works because of, you know, I feel like, oh, I wouldn't be silly enough to eat something that would cause me that much pain and depression and stuff. Yeah. So therefore, this must be okay to eat once yeah. I've tasted it. Um, yeah. So I can't do it. But maybe there's also that um, trigger, I guess, of, um, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like if I've yeah. stuffed up my body, I'll have uh, more of it, which doesn't work well. Um, <laughs> there you go. So back to ice cream, not just two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because like anyone, you said, you said the other day, oh, you've got a sweet tooth. And yeah. it's like. Yeah. I have a sweet tooth. Every single person on the planet has yeah. a sweet tooth yeah. and will enjoy something sweet like ice cream yeah. or chocolate. Everyone has a sweet thing that they love. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I'm no different. Like if I had something, it would taste amazing. Yeah. And But at the same point, now I just don't see that as food because I'm just like, no, that's not something that I eat. That's yeah. like not something that my body eats yeah and i and I, at this point anyway and um so what do i eat like this morning so it's like i got out um a couple of small bags or 500 gram bags maybe so maybe a kilo all up of frozen meat right like the off cuts um from the butcher um got them out frozen put them in the pressure cooker and cooked them for about an hour um and then just had so i had Off-cuts, slow cooked what, meats to, mate, because we, we spoke about it a little bit yesterday you've got a whole book on and you're learning all the different cuts of the animals people <laughs> generally would know like when it comes to a cow rump sirloin fillet no. what what are offcuts? well i don't know they're like the sinewy bits that they just <laughs> cannot sell that may end up in going into mints otherwise yeah right um but they haven't made it into mints yet or yep. the dog food yet so all the <laughs> stuff that we're traditionally taught is not soup because this is going to come around because i'm going to ask you in a minute yeah. where you get your nutrients from yeah. and i know a lot of it comes yeah. from you know so all the stuff that generally doesn't get sold or, or doesn't have value on it you've just knocked up a kilo of for breakfast this morning yeah and it's <laughs> and it's super like it's bits that you've never seen yeah. it's, you look at it and the type of fat in it is totally different to the type of fat we're used to seeing that would be the outside of the animal yeah um or marbled th- or little bits of marbling it's yeah. like weird sinewy bits but slow cooked and things generally they all break down and um yeah. you know so that was breakfast this morning and then dinner tonight might have um yeah a couple of steaks probably like another kilo of meat for dinner again so at the moment yeah the last couple of days i've just been having two big meals so it kind of probably depends on the training i'm doing how hungry i am how much fat was in the meals as opposed to how full i get so some of the cuts are fattier than others 
So will, um, you, will you, if you, let, let's link it a little bit to training as well, mate, mm. saying that like, you know, offcuts could have a lot of fat in them, whereas if you took a, a leaner cut, so will you try, have you got to a point now where you're like, right, I've got to do a lot of training, or I've got a big training day tomorrow, I need more fat from this meat? I haven't been consistent enough in my energy and training to be able to fine tune it well enough. Right. Like I've thought about all of that yeah. and I play with it a little bit, but that's not the overriding factor of do I feel fatigue or not. Right. Um, yeah, it's because some days I just can go train all day and, you know, feel fine. Right. Um, Which makes it more interesting. Yeah, it, it's purely, it's not about energy so much as it is about just other cells doing what they should be doing in a healthy individual kind of thing. Right. Because um, when you think of the energy coming from ATP, um, the mitochondria just need to be able to produce that. And if they're all getting mixed signals and there's a breakdown somewhere, yeah. it's not because of lack of energy because I'm made, I've got plenty of fat on me. Like yeah. the, the fat and because I'm so adapted to fat, it's not like that there's an inability for me to burn fat. I'm burning fat all the time. Yeah. Um, I always have ketones, even though they're only low. Yeah. Um, that generally seems to be what athletes are that seems to be the anecdotal evidence now like people who haven't ever trained before much will generally have higher ketones those that have been an athlete will generally have low ketones yeah. so i don't know and nobody knows why and how yet there's so much yeah. un so many unanswered questions in yeah. this whole fat burning field of science yeah. um so i'm definitely looking into it and i'm definitely playing around with a few different options of like i was saying like do i feel better eating two big meals so that's yeah. something i'm testing now as right. opposed to like eating a little bit less and then still being thinking about food an hour later. Yeah. And yeah. at the moment I'm thinking I actually feel better having these bigger meals because then I don't think about food as much for a while. Right. Like, yeah. um, so that's the difference. But then there's also, you know, maybe it's better to give my gut a rest. Yeah. Maybe, uh, obviously everyone talks about intermittent fasting and things yeah. like that. So there's so many factors of, and no one knows that. No one knows. No one knows about the gut. Yeah. Like, you know, how does the gut work? What microbiome are best? Nobody knows. So who knows um, when you are got the issues that I've got, What's which is very unique. It's not unique. I think yeah. there's a lot, a lot of people around the world that have this sort of cell disorder, autoimmune conditions linked yeah. with bad gut reactions um, that's all tied in together. And there is no answer of this is the best way to do what you're doing. But having said that, most people with autoimmune conditions that have tried carnivore um, are finding yeah, massive reductions in their CRP, their C-reactive protein blood marker. Yeah. Um, like, for example, my mum's went down in two weeks. Hers went down from like about a nine to a, a one in two weeks. And this is after she's been on prednisone, a steroid for polymyalgia for 10 years. Wow. And now she's lowering it and her CRP is staying down and she's getting off some blood pressure medication she's been on for my entire lifetime, so 37 years. Wow. So things like that are changing because she's doing carnivore diet as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a, big, it's a big opportunity for people to test, but yeah. it's certainly no sort of, well, this is exactly why it's happening. Other than we know that lectins like gluten and other lectins in plants are um, inflammatory in the gut, which yeah. could be increasing that autoimmune reaction in the body. But of course, it does run deeper, of course, back to the cells not doing what they should be doing. Yeah. Mate, let's just wind back a little bit. We're at two kilos, so you've had a kilo for breakfast, only eating twice a day now, which I think, I, I actually think that... Well, just a couple of days I'm trying that, yeah. but yeah. Another kilo in the evening. Most people that are listening that are maybe not familiar, and folks, if, you, if you're not familiar, some of the good people to go and have a look at, go and have a look at Sean Baker on Instagram. Also check out his show, which is not new, 2016 on, on Joe Rogan. Um, that's, uh, that's someone interesting to look at. I'll put all these resources in the show notes. Someone that you like as, as, as well as Paul Saladino. But people are going, okay, this guy's saying that he's eating two kilos of meat a day. <laughs> The first question is like, come on, mate. What what else are you actually having? Yeah. Which what or are you having? Anything else? Yeah, <laughs> at the moment that is that is it. Um, uh, what else do I have? I'm I'm just gonna take a little break from eggs because they have potential to increase histamine. So yeah. I've had them on and off. But like I said, I haven't had as good a consistency as I would like yeah. of energy levels. So I'm just gonna 
cut out the eggs for a while longer. Um, I've got to work on my vagal tone exercises. So just increasing that HRV as you love. Yeah. Um, but doing that through vagal tone exercises, a bit of cold therapy in our pool that's very cold in winter at the moment yeah. and a few other things. Um, and But am I eating anything else? No, just a hell of a lot of salt. Yeah. And I've cut out the fish pretty much. I used to eat a lot of tinned fish, but right. that's going to be higher in histamine being that it's sat around in a can yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, that's where I'm at. That's and it. then, but over in the in the near future, then I'll, I'll start to look at other things like get back into um, just some, some quick cooked bone broths. So not, and then freezing them. So right. I used to like make it, keep it in the fridge for a long time and the histamine would have been building up. So yeah. Now I'll get back into those and um, that kind of thing in a little while. and But when I cook the meat um, in the pressure cooker anyway, it ends up kind of producing quite a lot of the juices out of it. And because, yeah, they are quite the sinewy bits. Um, but the, the other thing I eat is, is liver. I eat liver at least once a week right. and probably... Um, I've got little bags in the freezer that are probably about 400 grams. So I probably eat around 400 grams of liver a week, which is super nutrient dense, which is the go-to for when somebody says, well, hang on, you're eating all this meat. Yeah. You're not getting the nutrients that you need. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Do you think you are? Do you think... Tell yeah. us a little bit about it, mate, because a lot of people go, and, and that's really where I wanted to get to. Like, people are going, oh, that's all he's having. Like, we've confirmed that's all you're having. So, people are going, well, how on earth is this guy getting yeah. all these nutrients? Because we've been told that we need fruit and vegetables to get vitamins and minerals from, yeah. right? We've been told that, like, to no end. Um, but, say, for example, beef liver is the most nutrient-dense food on the planet pretty much yeah. um there is nothing else up near beef liver um it's got everything from vitamin c vitamin a um iron like yeah. zinc copper i mean it's got everything yeah. absolutely everything really um but then yeah i'll eat that a fair bit of that like at least once a week and then all the other meat though the meat itself is muscle meat is still way up there right. it still kicks butt of most pretty much every plant it's going to be higher than as well yeah, yeah. and there are carnivores that really just survive on muscle meat um but again it's it's a fairly new area and unresearched yeah. of exactly levels and obviously every animal's different an animal that they're eating is very different to the animal that i'm eating yeah, right. you know i i'm very lucky here that the meat that I eat is grass-fed and from within 50 kilometers of where I live, most of what I eat, like it's crazy how local it is and and natural. Um, So yeah, it's it's a very quick Google search for like how many vitamins are in beef and beef liver and beef muscle compared to any other plant or animal. And so then it's not even close when you consider bioavailability, how much you actually absorb from like a bag of spinach it might say there's plenty of iron in it but you're not absorbing anywhere near that amount and then if you have any sort of reaction which most people are still going to have reactant that's why they reaction that's why they're called they are lectins because we don't break them down they are the protective toxin from the plant as in as are oxalates as well that are going to mess with your gut so that you don't eat this plant out of extinction. Yeah. And yet we are eating these plants to extinction, except that we've got agriculture. And because, yeah. you know, we are eating the same plants pretty much day in, day out. Um, particularly when you consider that, like, there's five or six of the main plants that we eat, like broccoli, um, spinach, I think, um, kale, and a few others come from this one same mustard plant. Right. And so it's only in the last few hundred years as we've been able to genetically kind of lead this through, you know, cross reproduction things, pollination and what have you, bred it for certain attributes so that we get the florets is the broccoli, the different leaves are the kale, you know, things like that, where it's like, okay, so this same plant with the same type of toxins um, ends up being a major part of our diet that we can become really, like have an autoimmune reaction to in the end. And so it's no surprise that, for now, it's just 
well, let's say not now. Now it's becoming that lectins are a major problem for a lot of people because of autoimmune conditions yeah. are becoming like r- much more prevalent. Yes. Um, let's go back 10 years and it was just gluten. Yeah. So gluten being a lectin. But now let's say 10 years in the future, we might be there with lectins where we are with gluten now. Right. Where we've eaten too much of the same plant that's been genetically modified, yeah. that's been, you know pesticides have been put on it yeah. the lectins have been increased genetically to reduce the impact from pests because they're there to get rid of pests yeah. like yeah. just like us eating them yeah. the pests that eat those the lectins have been increased in those yeah. so that you know the insects don't eat them yeah. but now we're eating increased amounts of lectins yeah. so anyway the when we come back to <laughs> like you know why why not eat them like yeah, I'm not eating them because I get a, an autoimmune reaction. Yeah. So why are we told that they're good for us? Yeah. And mo- like most things, like like everything, it yeah. comes back to marketing and profits. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm not going to say that everybody should just go carnivore because, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't have reactions to it and we are omnivores. We are able to eat plants. Yeah. But it's one of those things that maybe consider if you're eating a bag of raw spinach a day and you're having green smoothies with raw kale, raw spinach, raw celery and you're chucking all these raw plants in because lectins and oxalates can be reduced when you cook them. Um, Then, you know, maybe you are doing yourself actual harm by having that massive green smoothie every day that you think is incredibly beneficial. And then the next point is fibre. And everyone says, well, where's fiber? What about fiber in your diet? And fiber is totally pointless. We don't need fiber. It's been proven in many studies, but we are still told that we need it because it's marketing and profits rely on us buying Metamucil and psyllium husk and all this other garbage um, to clear us out. When really, if you want to be cleared out, just have a couple of tablespoons of coconut oil. Yeah, you'll be cleared out real quick. That'll clear you out. Um, So fiber's not necessary at all. I'm super regular every day and um, Paul Mason has a great lecture on the, you know, that we don't need fiber. He shows all the research and that anybody that had any irritable bowel symptoms, constipation, pain, any of those kind of symptoms, when they went a zero fiber diet, those symptoms just totally disappeared, completely. A low fiber diet, they reduced a high fi- higher fiber diet, they got worse. Yeah. Like fiber is not the answer. Like if you're blocked up, don't put more like stuff that Block blocks it, it up yeah. down there. Yeah. It yeah. just does not make any sense whatsoever. So how that's been allowed to continue on for so long, who knows? But anyway, so then there's fiber and then there's um, the cancer risk. That's the next one that people say, well, yeah. they look at you as if, oh my God, you're, I'm watching you die of cancer right now as I watch you eat that meat. And right. you, you get those looks. Really? Yeah. And fair enough because it's still spread around those governmental bodies yeah. that are basing that off a study from like an epidemiology study from like 70 years ago yeah. when... And for starters, epidemiology study is just complete BS because it's just like, oh, what have you eaten for the last 10 years? Yeah. Oh, you ate meat? Oh, look yeah. at your results. You're, you're, you've got more cancers than the other group that ate less meat. And yet they're not taking into account the exercise, the yeah, smoking, the, the, the sugars, the yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, and I love the one that, that more people that, the people that listen to the dietary guidelines, which yeah. was eat less meat. Yes are generally the ones that also try to do things for their health, like exercise, like yeah. not smoking, like yeah. not drinking, you know, those kind of things. So it, yeah. it just, it's so many biases in so an epidemiology study yeah. that it's just a joke. So anyway, they've thrown out, they have thrown out basically every everything that's been concluded from epidemiology studies, yeah. but it's taking a while to filter through for the government bodies to change all of their <laughs> topics. Like they've, they've reduced... They've, they've taken away the limit on cholesterol. That's another one. They've taken away that and said, okay, we are now, we, we now would, yeah, we now out. admit that those research that the, is based off the exact same thing that the, basically the, um, the cardiovascular risk studies on meat were based on, yes. uh, that if you eat cholesterol, you're not going to die of cholesterol. Yeah. And, but they aren't going to change that the cholesterol itself is a problem because it's a, 
what was it? It's like a trillion dollar industry, yeah. the, the statin, statin industry. Yeah, it's huge. So um, a trillion dollar industry that is built around fearing, getting people to fear high cholesterol. Yeah. When high cholesterol, the research will actually say you will live longer with high cholesterol. Yeah. Lower cholesterol, you will die sooner because high cholesterol um, basically means that you are have more fat in being shuffled around your body. Yeah. So you're metabolizing more fats. You're probably eating more fats. And the only problem is when your LDL becomes oxidized and glycated and you're eating bad fats yeah. and you're eating a high sugar diet. So the high sugar diet, anytime your blood sugar increases, you'll strip the lining of your veins and arteries of the little villi, little fingers that protect the inner walls, yeah. which allows the calcification and the the buildup of the ldl and the ldl once it's if it's oxidized and glycated it's hanging around in your blood a lot longer so it's a different type of ldl it's been there's many different types of ldl so you can't just say oh my ldl was high therefore i need to be on a statin to lower my ldl because unless you look at what the breakdown of ldl is and really there's very few doctors that do it because it's got to be like spun in a centrifuge and you got to get the different layers. Yeah. It's it's crazy that this is it's still being looked at as oh your LDL's high we'll put you on a statin, yeah. and that's the answer for this trillion dollar industry. It's the thing. Um, that's what it is. It's yeah, big industry. Like everyone knows that fast food industry. Like last time I checked, the fast food industry in in in, in the states was worth something like you know something like quarter of a billion dollars a year. No one wants to can it, you know, and then you've got the health industry. And I think the <laughs> stat I found that was like fighting uh, heart disease, things like you're talking about cholesterol, you know, it's it's worth half a billion dollars or so, something ridiculous, mm. mate. And it's just like no one wants to can that. But I guess yeah. they're all more sort of, uh, yeah, political I- or they've become political issues now. Yeah. And as to why they're not going to do it. Yeah, because they're sponsoring the politicians yeah. to not change guidelines. Because if suddenly the guidelines change from, oh, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be eating this many grains, and we should actually not suggest you eat sugar every day. Yeah. Um, the sugar industry and the grain industry suffer. will suffer, yeah. and they are pumping so much money to not let those changes occur, yeah. even though the research is there that diabetes is a major issue from those two things any yes. processed carbohydrates um it's just crazy that it's not changing um because of it's made it's as much the medical industry as it is the food industries yeah. and yeah. everyone's just laughing that people are sick and dying <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy situation mate let's jump back to to things and i want to jump in a little bit into performance we mentioned zach better before mm. who's a who's known as a carnivore just recently i mean these stats are crazy he, he ran 100 miles which is 160 kilometers 11 hours 19 minutes and i want to just get a little bit more geeky on his stats that's 414 a k which is 258 for a marathon so he's run four marathons basically back to back a little bit shorter at sort of that that pace sub three hour pace phenomenal mm. what do you think about that and how d- do you see your performance changing recently and what do you see the outlook for your performance going forward or do you just sort of live day by day? A little bit day by day, yeah. but I have done a couple of, I've done a few half Ironmans this year yeah. on lower carb and basically zero carb and noticed a change that, yeah, I mean, I don't have carbs before the race. I've done some of the races on practically no carb and in half Ironman, so it just takes me around four hours, right. and I've noticed no so drop off. Slow. Yeah, so yeah. I've had <laughs> I've had ketones, I've had caffeine. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to test out some nicotine gum as well, because um, basically we were talking about this the other day about st- stimulants and yes. that perf- the the brain perception is everything, yeah. and the whole central governor theory. So that's where my performance is heading in in. I know that, you know, there's a limit to what I can do without some input of carbs. Yes. And I'm not totally against carbs when I'm e- obviously when I'm exercising, it just goes straight up into my blood into my muscles. Yeah. It's more about what do I need to do to make sure that I'm putting in just enough and not too much. Right. So that my blood sugar is at five, that it doesn't go up to like five and a half or six. Yeah. Because that's where I feel I'm just gonna get a real shutdown of 
my body because I'm so fat adapted yeah. that if my blood sugar does go up that much higher, um, maybe it's because I'm fat adapted, maybe it's because of my past metabolic issues, yeah. everything combined, yeah. that that could potentially, and I have felt it in races a little bit where that's been a bit of an issue, where yeah. my blood sugar's gone a little bit higher um, and I've struggled to get any energy and then I've had a caffeine tab and just been able to like really pop out of it and, and get good again. Yeah. So, and then have like no carbs the rest of the race and yeah. feel fine. And so there, I've had some mixed results, but basically my gut feeling is that I'm better off in half with basically nothing except right. for other exogenous or so ketone esters um, and stimulants are yeah. going to be the best thing for me. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, if I get to the run yeah. and I just want like, oh, I just need like the f- sensation of something, yeah. I could have a sip of Coke yeah. or I could even rinse and spit the Coke. I was gonna say and that would still, well. and that would give my body enough of a kick yeah. in one way or another. Um, but I would just do whatever. So it's a little bit by feel. It's like, yeah. you know, I've, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling my way through this. Right. But at the same time, I'm confident that there's nothing that can really go that wrong. Yeah. I mean, you're in a race. There's aid stations. Yeah. There's, I'm going to have stuff with me in yeah. case I need it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going out for like a, a 20-hour, you know, ultra marathon yeah, on your own. with water and salt. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty different maybe to what other some people are doing. And I've heard people doing this yeah. where they're just like, oh, well, I'm fat adapted. I don't need anything. And no, they're just yeah. doing these ultra marathons Die. with no no backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not doing that. Let's yeah. get that straight. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not totally against that carbs at some point are going to be of some benefit. But I, I'm much more in favor of going down the stimulus yeah. route first, yeah. seeing what you can get out of the body um, and brain from that side of things. And yeah, in terms of Ironman, I haven't done full Ironman yet, so I don't yeah. know where, and I'm just going to have to feel my way through that one a when little bit. When do you bit. think, if, 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 we, if we said like now, like you've got to commit, what do you think? Do you think you could say, yeah, this time next year, if everything, because this isn't the start of the journey, you're mm. sort of, you're, you're in it. Would you say, yeah, sort of, or do you not think about, yeah, August next year, I can do a full Ironman, or do you just sort of think like day by day, I want to get this thing better? At I go through phases. It's like <laughs> when I feel good, yeah. it's You're like, like I've got this, <laughs> yeah. I've got this. Yeah. And then it's like a few weeks later, feel a bit fatigued and it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I would say next year, I definitely want to be doing some, an Ironman of some sort next year yeah. would be the goal because any anything that, you know, if you build up to Kona, which is the goal, the big goal is to get back on the podium at Kona. Wow. So if I can, if I'm heading to that, then you know you probably want like a couple of years yeah. of good solid training where i've fixed my health issues and things are going great so that would mean an ironman next year and then you know build up with another good year after that yeah, right. of another ironman and a and a, and a is this the best that you felt for 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 a while mate yeah for many for many many years yeah. this is the best like the races that i did this year were all like relatively good in terms of I was able to push my body the whole day and yeah. through the entire race. Yep. Whereas in the previous like three, four years, it's just like, oh my God, as soon as I've pushed my heart rate up high, I've just blown up or I've totally bonked. Um, like in terms of just haven't got the energy on the day, I yeah. can't push my heart rate. But that's the interesting thing as well. I've done all my training um, like at heart rate, at math, heart rate 180 right. minus my age so sitting around 145 for heart rate basically yeah. and for my running and riding and i haven't run faster than about four minute k pace at that yet i i know if i'm consistent and my health's good yeah. that should come down to like right. below 330 that should really come down right but it hasn't yet so there's still a lot of a lot of work to do yeah but basically, even though I'm only in training running four-minute Ks, in the half Ironmans, yeah. I've been able to run 330s, 335s, and run like one, no 112s yeah. with no, like it doesn't even feel like it's that fast. Right. You know, I guess I've got a good running background. You yeah. know, I have yeah. had some of the best runs in Kona. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of it. But at the same time, my point is you don't have to run fast to run fast yeah i mean if you're getting off a bike after three hours or maybe it's seven hours or whatever it is yeah 
you don't need to be out there doing sprint training every day yeah. to run fast. Yeah. So that's just my point. If you're healthy and you have done the aerobic training, like you just need to be able to jog. You know, jog in training, do the Ks, yeah. um, get your aerobic system working really well and fat burning and metabolizing fat. Yep. And then you can get off and when you need to, yeah. you can. You can open up. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you've, pr- you've probably experienced that as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, and mate, I think, yeah, a lot of people generally in, in, in running and, and also in, in, in bike training are, are just not, it, it's nice what you said that you you've spent like you've trained so much at that at that map heart rate 180 minus your age and and you feel good when you sort of open the gas a little bit because i think it is a lot of a i think it's a bit of a psychological issue it's like you know i need to feel what that feels like which we both agree you do but you don't need to feel what that feels like every single session yeah you know it's um yeah it's a it's it's, it's interesting and, and i think it, it comes more when athletes mature i'm sure if we'd have had this conversation 10 years ago you'd have been like mm. What? 180 minus my age? Yeah. yeah, maybe once in a while, but I'm going to smash this session, yeah. you know? And I probably needed to do more 180 minus my age. I might have, you know, not yeah. fallen in such a hole. Yeah, but exactly. Mate, talking about the future as we did there, but bringing it back to the carnivore diet, mm. the carnivore diet, from what I've sort of researched, read, we don't have a lot of history. It's not super old. We've got some guys that adopted it, sort of stuff that I found was like three years ago, four years ago. Mm. So we don't have a lot of, we've got few people that have been on it for a short time. Do you think it's something that you'll stay on? Do you think there are potential long-term sort of hazards with it and, 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 and red flags? Or what's your, now you've been playing around with it a bit, what's your sort of gut feeling on two years down the road, three years down the road? Yeah, it's um, it's a tricky one. I wouldn't, I can't see that I'll ever change from predominantly eating meat as yeah. like you know ninety percent of what I eat. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I can't see that I'll ever go back to eating, um, let's say leafy greens. Right. Um, I just don't think my body will ever reverse so much that l- all those lectins and oxalates and things would be good for me in an yeah. overriding way because. Yeah. For everybody, they've got those toxins in them. Yeah. Um, so for me, would I risk those toxins? Is there enough of a benefit? Yeah. And it's like, well, no. I, I, there's nothing in them that I'm not getting in my right. meat right. sort of thing. So the argument is, well, what else would I eat and why would I eat it? Why would I open up my, my diet? And yeah, maybe there is going to be a point where just a little bit of carbohydrates maybe at certain times you know maybe if it's just a bit of honey or um uh so even honey in my drink bottle maybe um or even some of the resistant starches at some point if my guts feel good for that um it might change to those sort of things and you know hopefully i become less sensitive to things like histamine um you know i would like to be able to broaden out into some dairy like the yep. fresh dairy perhaps like yeah. um but i don't know about that just like the fresher cheeses like the soft cheeses like yeah. um you know mozzarella and the the things that aren't aged i guess yeah. that's the most likely but maybe i just won't ever maybe dairy's just not one that i'll yeah. ever be yeah. good for me yeah. uh, and i'd be okay with that i guess <laughs> um yeah, yeah it's tricky because when you just say no to things i don't miss anything yeah but if you ask me what things do I miss and wish I had and I actually start thinking about yeah, it, yeah. then I start to think, oh, what would I like to taste? Yeah. Um, but it's only if the food is like right in front of me and I'm thinking, oh, would I like to be able to eat that now? Yeah, like, right. And that's with every type of food. So the way that I'm seeing other foods right now is probably similar to how somebody who's you know cutting out soft drink or something sees soft drink they they're not thinking about it unless they sat down at a table with everyone else was drinking soft drink yeah and then they're like oh wow i really wish i was drinking that soft drink and so that's probably where i'm at where i i don't even think about and i don't care that i'm not having it um until i if i questioned like oh maybe maybe you know oh i haven't had one of those for six months maybe i can have one now but i at the same time that person that gave up soft drink 
did it for a reason and that one bit of soft drink would totally spike their in blood sugars and probably make them feel lousy the next day yeah i i think maybe that risk is there for me for a long time to come that um, having anything else is maybe a risk so if i can get back and the histamine doesn't become a problem i can get back to like tinned fish yeah because um, it's just such an easy go-to and it's yeah. so full of calcium and the um, EPAs, the good omega-3 fats, you know, that's such a good thing. So instead of since cutting out that, I've had brain a couple of the lamb brains a couple of times because yeah, right. they're good in they're high in omega-3s. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to get as much as I can yeah. of and that's how I'm looking at things now. So yeah, I guess sure. that's the difference between you know three years ago when it was just like oh maybe if i try this this will work yeah now it's like okay well if i'm changing this it's how am i looking at all my macros and and micronutrients yeah. kind of thing yeah. which and and then i'm also looking at yeah starting to try and figure out that other side of things yeah like the hba axis and yeah. my hormones my thyroids my vagal tone how all of that is combined to lower my stress levels yeah so that at some point I'm more able to tolerate more foods yeah. and um, yeah, definitely things like that. And so it may just be, you know, go without eggs for like a couple of weeks or something, yeah. work on, work on my vagal tone and things like that. And then reintroduce a little bit here and there and just have them in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, I'm a special case. I think where I am, I have got a lot of sensitivities from a lot of different areas yeah. kind of focused, but I do think it's becoming more and more prevalent yeah. and autoimmune disease is, is everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was chatting to a young kid the other day. He's in his 30s, I guess, and he has reactive arthritis. So his bones are literally just dissolving. Wow. Um, but he's still like, he hasn't yet cut out gluten 100% or, or anything. And I was like, okay. Wow. I was like, okay, for two weeks, yeah. you go carnival for two weeks. Trust me, just, I mean, all it is is an elimination diet, the ultimate elimination diet. You aren't going to miss out on any major nutrients. You're not going to give yourself a heart attack. Like nothing bad can happen from cutting out sugars and plant, like fruits that are giving you high blood sugar, plants that are causing an autoimmune reaction. Like it's potentially, the upside is potentially huge for someone like him and my mum and myself like but my mum and this other guy like they're stabbing themselves with steroids to just to stay alive yeah, just to be able yeah. to function yeah. and yet they're in pain all the time constantly yeah, he was like i mean i was like oh are you in pain much and he's like i'm in pain standing here he's like my plantar fascia has basically dissolved Incredible. he doesn't even have it and he's just in pain all the time and i was like and then we finished i chatted before the, we did this bike ride together we and it was a charity ride and we got back there and the charity ride of course put out lollies and junk food and stuff yeah. and without thinking he just went and grabbed just a piece of licorice it. and and i was like are you sure you want that yeah. and he went oh i was like well it's it's so processed yeah. so full of chemicals and unnatural foods that your gut will have an inflammatory reaction to yeah. and cause inflammation through your body and cause your reactive arthritis to be worse he was like ah oh. He went and put it in the bin and went, right, from now on, next two weeks, I'll do it. And he's going to go Google all the things I told him that you've mentioned. Um, But it's like, wow, if I can help a guy like that that's in pain um, to find out that there's a reason why he's in pain and it could be this, you know, BS that we've been fed for profits and lining of other people's pockets. Yeah. You know, um, because yeah, the the doctors don't know. They they don't. The endocrinologists yeah. they don't agni- admit that sugar is a problem or that, yeah. you know, that plants could ever be a problem. And yeah. so we're just trying to. Um, it's not the carnival movement, and I'm not part of the movement, I guess. Yeah. But I am. I'm part of it by <laughs> just default, I yeah, guess. I guess yeah. That it's not about saying, hey, everybody should just stop eating plants. It's yeah. about. Plants are not the answer to our health issues that we've been told that they are. Correct, yeah. And if you cut them out, you will survive. Yep. But I think the biggest headline is don't limit it. Don't limit your protein because you're afraid of cholesterol, because you're yeah. afraid of heart disease, because by limiting proteins, you are increasing the carbohydrate foods by default. Yeah. You are increasing the blood sugar fluctuations multiple times per day um you're increasing your sugar addiction to sweet foods like because you're not eating the savory meats 
Um, so it's more just about can we just change the guidelines to stop this fear mongering around meat yeah. and get people away from breakfast cereals yeah. and back to real food, just yeah. unprocessed real food yeah. and more protein than than they're currently eating because you know cool. we we can see that everywhere, can't we? Yeah, you know absolutely. that um, yeah. It's a problem. Mate, that's super informative. 100% you've done your homework. So 10, 10, <laughs> out, of 10, oh. uh, 10 <laughs> out of 10 marks there. I've got so much more to learn though. Yeah, yeah but mate, you, I, think, I think you're doing a good job. And I think that the, the bottom line is, as, as it always is with these things, is you're seeing some, some nice positive effects yeah. and you, you stayed open. Like it's interesting to hear you say, you know, maybe you will get back to a bit of soft cheese one day. And I, th I think that's, you're in a state where you, you are what we call sick. I don't really know if that's the right term. Yeah, yeah I am. I'm still unhealthy. You're, yeah. you're not feeling great and you, you're going through it. So, mate, what would be interesting if, if we do catch up in about six months or, or 12 months yeah. and <laughs> really, you know, and just sort of compare these shows because I think it's an interesting thing. I think the carnivore diet has a lot of positives. We see a lot of people doing well from it. You know, I think I think we see, and this is a big call, but I think we see more people doing well from this style of diet and and from things like like paleo rather than what we've seen in veganism. But that's a whole other show, <laughs> and we won't bash the vegans, mate. Absolutely awesome. We're gonna wrap it up there. Thank you so much. Hope you feel better, folks. Hop over to the show notes. There's loads of links that I'm gonna put in there, and you can follow Pete's journey. Go and check him on Instagram. Follow his journey because he's putting stuff out there. And if you want to get in touch with him, you might have to pay him a few bucks, but do, do a Skype call with him and go through because he's obviously done his homework and an hour call might save you about, well, how many hours you've put into it, mate? I don't know. So, Pete Jacobs, legend. Thank you very much, mate. Awesome.